Are you ready to feel understood and empowered? Are you ready to grow and glow? Tired of receiving bad advice from family and friends? Want to understand why therapy isn't a bad word? You're in the right place and in good hands. I'm Shamir Holmes, a licensed professional counselor. And I'm Erica Talbert, a licensed and marriage family therapist. And we are here to address mental health challenges and modern day issues in the Black community. Welcome to another episode of Trust Us. We're almost doctors. Welcome to another episode of Trust Us, We're Almost Doctors. I'm Shamir Holmes, licensed professional counselor. And I'm Erica Talbert, licensed marriage and family therapist. So this morning, Erica and I are super thrilled to be joined for this segment with the sensational Emmy Award-winning morning news anchor for NBC10 and breaking news anchor for Telemundo 62, Lucy Bustamante. It's our pleasure to highlight Lucy as part of our newest Game Changers Professional Women series here at Almost Doctors. Lucy, thank you so, so much for joining us this morning to discuss your incredible journey throughout broadcast news and all the wonderful things you do Monday through Friday, bringing us content, breaking news stories, uh, keeping things relevant here in the Philadelphia region. So welcome, Lucy. Thank you. That was super generous, Shamir. That was definitely a, a stellar introduction to live Aww. up to. Well, well-deserved. Well-deserved. Yes. Thank you, Lucy. So we're going to jump right into it. Um, Lucy, we have several questions. We want to hear more about your impressive story. I did my research on some lunch breaks that I had throughout the week. I, I looked at some old archive video of you with Regis Philbin. Oh. <laughs> on the Regis and Kelly show. I was like, look at Lucy. Um, <laughs> so impressive. So impressive. So Lucy, when I'm getting uh, ready for work here in Philadelphia, yeah. between 5 a.m. and 6 a.m., I always tune in to you, Keith and Aaron, and I see you either co-anchoring with them or delivering the latest breaking news from the actual newsroom. And then if I flip my TV on at 11 a.m. on the days I work remotely, I get to watch you actually hosting from the news desk um, and anchoring the top stories. So I know you do additional work with Telemundo 62. So to say that you're a very busy woman, a busy journalist is an understatement, but can you just briefly walk us through a day in the life for you? Like, what's it like to do so many different news segments um, and from so many different angles? Sure, 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 sure. That's actually the easy part. I'll be really honest with you. A lot of the stuff that you see in the morning um, between four and seven, if I'm not anchoring with Aaron or Keith, um, it, a lot of that stuff has been monitored news from overnight. And it's content that the producers write. The stuff that you'll see me front that is mine will be like different reports that it's sometimes hard to tell for the viewer uh, what is written by an anchor and what isn't, right? Mm -hmm. And so... Um, once to twice a week, I'll produce original reporting. And right now I'm on a series that is um, about, given it's, you know, Memorial Month for the veterans, for the fallen, um, issues and programs and people that are out there to prevent the number that was 22 suicides a month that is now 17 suicides a month. So that's the series I'm working on now. How do we prevent veteran suicide in the month where we honor mm -hmm. the fallen? So it's five stories and every single one of those stories I've done the research on, I've produced, I've done um, the writing with a photographer. The, um, <clears throat> I always say the anchoring is the easy part, right? It's always the preparation for mm -hmm. anything. The execution is your vibe. It's your flow space. It's the, uh, this, this is why I do what I do. But the hardest part is the preparation 
up to that. So a day in the life of is more of like the 2 a.m. alarm goes off. Um, you know, I'm out of the house by 2.30. Yeah, I know, it's painful. Very early, very yes. early. <laughs> and Aaron in the makeup room at three, we go through the stories with our executive producer. Keith is in the other room getting ready. Um, you know, we watch uh, different newscasts, overnight newscasts on uh, various networks. And, um, and basically, you know, for, from four to seven, it's really about chemistry and vibe and, you know, reading the prompter and knowing the stories well in case the prompter dies on you, which happens often enough where you know not to trust the technology necessarily. Wow. <laughs> so, um, and, you know, really, it's just, it's keeping abreast of the very, very latest every single day. Um, and then from the show ends at seven, they do the cut-ins and that's my interview time. That's my research time, unless I'm anchoring for them, which is then anchoring the cut-in at 726, 56, 826, 856. From nine to 1030, you're either interviewing people, you know, the Shamir, when I got the pleasure of featuring you, um, in the women's history story, um, that we did on one of your mentors, uh, who you were right. She's just an incredible human. Um, it was definitely you know, that was a heart project. That was a, how do you vet so many amazing people, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And what makes someone worthy of that airtime versus another? And so you kind of have to like leverage that with like the appetite of your audience and, you know, the, the space that they're in according to the feedback that you get for people that are paid to do these surveys and feedback and, and, the, and also the conversations we have with people, right? So um, the reading and writing uh, part of it we do a lot fast. <laughs> That's okay. the best way I can say. Okay. And by the time the 11 o'clock show comes along, once again, you're, it's that last adrenaline rush of my day. And in the mix is, hey, can you do this too for Telemundo? So Telemundo is not my primary, but it's woven into my day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, hey, they just had breaking news. Can you go over to that desk and say it in Spanish? And since I didn't speak a lick of English till I was five years old, it's fine. <laughs> you know, it's an easy switch in my mind. Um, so by the time I get home, I pick up my child at 12 from preschool down the street from the station. And, uh, and hopefully he wants to nap. We'll nap together. And then I pick up the other three at three o'clock in the afternoon. And the rest of the day is, is more like, a, um, you know, your, your average kind of stay at home gig but just with a lot of caffeine so that we don't pass out. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I was going to say, I applaud you. I don't know how you do it. So once you said 2 a.m., I was like, oh, there's no way. It takes a really special person to wake up at that time for work every day. And that's Great. not me. <laughs> it's not me. That is my way. And my husband would be with you right now when you said marriage counsel. I was like, oh, maybe we'll call you because he would tell you. Lucy thinks she has balance. She thinks she has balance. <laughs> well, that was one, that's definitely one of our next questions to throw out there. Both Eric and I, we were just curious, like Lucy, yeah. four babies, your devoted, beloved wife and mother to this family. You do all that you just beautifully explained to us. Like, how do you strike balance and how do you take care of yourself and mm. stay sane? It, it is, it is a lot. It is a lot. Um, I think the biggest things that I prioritize and, and this person, before we moved here, we were military. And, and I've always navigated his military career uh, through the deployments and everything. And I've been very blessed to maintain my own to where when he transitioned out of the Navy, we had my health insurance to be able to catch him, if you will. We didn't have to wait for like 
the VA to kick in and, you know, different healthcare um, and, and different platforms that kind of have to kick in to help a veteran transition well. I've always been blessed to have my career to pad my family and to sustain my family um, through all of the deployments and, and, and all of that. And so through it, there's a wonderful woman in my life who um, has been our nanny through, let's see, we're going on seven years now. And she's lived with our family off and on through those deployments. I convinced her to move to Philly with us when we left Virginia. <laughs> she loves Philadelphia. And I think we always have, you know, I would hate, I would hate to say she replaces my family. She is my family. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people, when they don't have a military life, when they don't have a, a broadcast life, you pad your life with your family. You know, you have your mom, you have your grandma, you have your auntie, you have your sister. And so um, one of the biggest sacrifices of military service, of broadcast news, which I do see as a work of service, um, is that you, you trade the comforts of having an extended family um, for that work of service. So my balance is in my village because <laughs> mm, nice. it's not just my decision making. It's, um, it's who's willing to sign on to this with me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, you'll, you'll, maybe your mom is your person to say, yeah, honey, I'll pick up the kids at three, you rest, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you guys should talk to my wonderful co-anchor, Erin Coleman. She's just a, a, a light of a person. She's wonderful. Uh, and Keith is too, but Erin is in the mom grind with me and she mm-hmm. does have her mom mm-hmm. and we're living the same life. She ends her day a little bit earlier than I do, which also helps. Um, and so, you know, the, the thing is, is that when you have, a village that is willing to say, we're going to, we're going to do this with you. Uh, then at that point, it just becomes a scheduling conversation. When you have that emotional and moral and physical support, the rest is logistics, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's how we do it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just am amazed even when you use the word sacrifice. So right now I work with military families out in Germany. And so I, it resonated when you said that, cause I'm like, oh, those deployments, that is such a huge thing that a lot of people don't understand the sacrifices families make, the sacrifices children have to make as military kids and how that affects them. Um, and so I am curious to like, how do you prepare your children for those transitions, especially when deployment was happening? Because I've seen how um, children can become very devastated and upset when yes. mom or dad has to deploy. So I'm wondering, I know you mentioned your village being there as one support, but I'm also wondering, like, what does the communication look like around the family when change is about to happen? Yes. Oh, my God. Can I ask you what base you're at? I'm at Spingdalem Air Base, so I'm with the Air Force right now. You are. Oh, I know your <laughs> and your schedule's crazy busy. I mean, frontline <laughs> responders to everything going on with Ukraine and yeah. I can't imagine how many airplanes you hear flying over your head. <laughs> oh, it's it's a lot. I'm like, okay, yep, all right. You just it's like you never know what's going on because it's constant. It's really constant. Yeah. Yes, yeah. mm. Virginia Beach. Um, we had an extended community all doing the same thing. Mm. And equivalent of Dr. Erica Talbert was a woman named Shumi Roth. And um, Shumi was the handholder of, okay, this is about to happen. It's a little bit out of the kids norm. 
how do I help them digest it? So I would reach out to Shumi and I'd be like, hey, here's what's coming. Um, here's my normal plan of dealing with this. And my normal plan right before deployment would happen, I'd call his mom and they love him. Let me think the grandma, this grandma, I mean, my mom too, but she was like the active athletic, you know, really young grandma, right? And she would come in three days before he would leave and stay a week after he was gone. And we would just like pad those transitions um, with extra hugs and extra love and extra Chick-fil-A visits and <laughs> things like that, right? Like teaching them that when you're like mm. really through something sad, you have to like really pad yourself with love. Mm. Like, and so when you have so many people doing the same thing, that's cool. Like that's, that's what we do together. Like we're in this together. We're bonded by these hard events, transition and like being in like a civilian space, like it's been moving to Philly. It was so important for us to like meet other people that had also transitioned out because it was like, no one's really done our type of hard, you know? Cause yeah. it's not that ours is any harder. It's just a very specific type of heart. Mm -hmm. And so, and it's a constant, right? It's like every, my husband would deploy for five months at a time. And I'd call Dina, Dina, it's time for you to move in. <laughs> Cause mm -hmm. I got to work, you know, at 3am. No problem. You know, okay, let me shift my life around. Got it. <laughs> and yeah. so it was, it would, this is how we would do transitions. And so now that we're like going into a more like normal life, a civilian life, mm then you get more into the space of like, oh, this is how you guys do it. And I'm going to be honest with you, Erica, like you really do have to like tell yourself it's the plane's not going to fly over your head today. Mm. Like quiet. Now it's quiet, mm. you know? And that in itself has been an adjustment. It sounds crazy. I know it does. No, but it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, nope, it, I know. <laughs> It's a reminder that it's like, okay, mm -hmm. peace is now part of my new normal. And that mm -hmm. isn't always uh, consciously easy, you know, or unconsciously easy. Like it's all, it's different, but all of a sudden you're like, I don't have to be up here every mm -hmm. single time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. that's a long answer to a, a short question, but, but that's, that's honest. That's how we've done it. Yeah, no, and I appreciate that. Yeah, and we could talk forever about military life and what that is like, because I know it's just so much to unpack uh, with that transitioning and stuff. And so I, I applaud you and your husband mm -hmm. for all of you, and even your kids. Like I said, I recognize the entire family. That's what we do because they all each play a role in how everything works out, how they support one another through difficult times through transitioning and stuff like that and that's what I try to emphasize like we are all like you said we become a part of a village and extended family to make sure that everyone is operating in a healthy healthy way so definitely want to applaud you and your family for that yes thank you guys not it is not easy what you do so you know thank you for being that person for so many yes absolutely and Lucy, we noticed that in your bio, you do have an extensive volunteer history with the former, former Cabrini Covenant in this area. You do reference the Lord um, and how you were directed back to Philadelphia. 
um, which you now refer to as like living the dream and working this dream job. We're yeah. curious how your faith and your spirituality inform the work that you do, the Lucy that we see on television. Sure, sure. Um, you know, it's funny. It's always an open channel in my head, right? And uh, whenever it stops being loud, that's when I know I like, I kind of have to like check in, be like, mm. okay, what's the anxiety doing? What's the stress? What's the worry doing? Because that's really where you're, you know, that, that God channel, as I call it, like, that's really where your truth lies, right? Like that is mm. like the speech of our soul. Like if we don't listen to that, then something's off balance. And um, we've been through so much recently that my God, like the second you start questioning, you're like, okay, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> you know, like, where's my direction? Um, but I'll tell you, uh, Cabrini, Mother Cabrini, I went to that high school in New Orleans and those group of teachers and that group of women, it was a very progressive Catholic high school. And um, we were having a lot of the conversations back then. I always like to say like they, they were ahead of their time. Um, we were having a lot of conversations back then that were maybe considered taboo that now are like mainstream conversations. And mm. it really prepared those girls for just a, just a wonderful education and a great, um, you know, Cabrini High School in New Orleans was just a very powerful place. It continues to be. Um, it was one of the original, it was the original orphanage started by uh, St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. And she was the first patronized American saint. And, uh, um, and that meant a lot to my parents who were Cuban immigrants. My mom's from Spain, she migrated to Cuba. Um, you know, my father was a prisoner of Fidel Castro for four years. My brother and my sister, they didn't have a daddy for those years. They're a lot older than I am. They migrated when they were four and nine years old without my dad for those four, first four years in the United States. And so um, Mother Corbini also meant a lot to them. Very religious family. I'm probably more spiritual than I am religious in comparison to, to my parents in, in a lot of ways. But, um, but one of the things that, that that school did is that they would send us to different Cabrini properties. And the one up here at the time, it has since closed, it was the, um, the retirement home for the nuns. Okay. And uh, they would send the high school kids for like spring break, or I think it was, um, was spring break or, or Thanksgiving, one of those two. And we would spend the week and we would just kind of help around the nursing home with these, you know, little old nuns. And, and we would go to the college. It was still a college. It wasn't a university yet. And, um, and it was just an extension of like service work. And so, you know, when you start a child in life through like teaching them service, you pretty much connect them to the world is what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And so you see like the need, a collective need that we all have. Um, and you realize that there's really no such thing as like a stranger. It's just sort of like how you want to show up, <laughs> you know, is really the question. Um, so when Philly, when my husband was like, hey, I want to get out of the Navy. I'm like, okay, let's prepare. This is like, when he told me he wants to get out of the Navy, that's like a two-year warning. You really have to like, it's a two-year process. Mm -hmm. wow. And uh, I'm like, okay here we go. Where do you want to go? He's like, well, you know, they really encourage you to go to business school. And, you know, Wharton looks like a really good, um, you know, it's like the best business school, but it was a really good ecosystem for transitioning veterans. Mm. And I said, okay, well, where else? He's like, well, Kellogg in Chicago. And I'm like, and these are all like big television markets. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I used to be my, uh, in my hometown evening anchor in new Orleans covered Katrina from beginning, beginning to end 
you know, nonstop work. He moved to New Orleans for me because he knew I wasn't leaving my hometown in a moment of need. It just wasn't happening. So he moved from beautiful, sunny San Diego yeah. to like struggling, wet, crawling, stinking <laughs> New Orleans, right? <laughs> and so God bless him. He hung in there for a few years and, uh, and he loved it. It's a very special place on this planet. And, um, but when the time came when he was like, I can't do my job anymore. And I knew his, his dream was to be a Navy SEAL out of Virginia beach. And I said, all right, let's go, go to Virginia beach. My job transferred by a, a miracle. That was a God moment. I mean, that was a God moment. It was like, Lord, if this is meant to be, then, then give me, give me language, give me a sign, show me that this makes sense. Um, and it was a lateral transfer because we happened to have a TV station in that city. Mm. <laughs> happened to have one. <laughs> and to, I had never looked in that direction because who in the world wants to go to Norfolk, Virginia into television? Nobody actually wants to go to Norfolk, Virginia television. <laughs> mm-hmm. You want to go to like the top 10, sure. not knocking. It's a beautiful place. It's a great beach town. It's a wonderful community. Um, but it's not usually like a goal market, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so you know, the, the fact that it was an easy transfer. And then he, when he talked about coming here, he made it into Wharton. I called the news director that used to be here. Um, he said, hey, you know, Mr. Williams, what's going on? And he said, I forgot you spoke Spanish. Yep, let's, let's do this. Because he used to work in the same market as me in New Orleans. And uh, I applied and um, they needed a role that could do English and Spanish. And right around the same time that it was looking like I was going to get the job, he got his acceptance letter. And it was like, glory to God in every single step, because Wharton had an amazing transitioning ecosystem for veterans Mm. that we did not see in the other schools. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he had enough brain cells left after the military, what he did in the military, that he could Mm. make it, you know, like once again, like glory to God that you have these, these people recognizing others hardships and saying we're making room for that we're making space for that and this is how you transition out of the navy well and you know and the dream job at channel 10 has really just been the fact that i've been able to continue doing what i've always loved it's not that i love it anymore here i think that's what's important you can't attach your love for something for where you do it you have to love it for what it is you're doing you have to love it for the storytelling and the empowering and the talking to women like you guys and giving you guys a light to do the amazing work you do. And so that, that work, I, I will love anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. NBC gives it the hype. <laughs> awesome. Hype city, like here's the peacock and here's the <laughs> 10 different platforms that we do this on. And, you know, here's the gorgeous studio in a skyscraper. Yeah, the beautiful Comcast building. You're right. Totally. Like they are, they give you the power and the hype, but if you don't love what you do, mm-hmm. then none of it matters. None of it matters. It's an empty shell, you know? So you really have to bring, you got to bring the God into it. You have to bring, cause you're not, you're not doing it for the hype. You're doing it for, for, for the soul of it. You have to, I mean, what, you know, you would never extend this kind of energy for, for something that didn't matter. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I was going to say, like, as you're speaking about women, especially you that are out here, um, trailblazers making a name for themselves, I'm wondering in this field um, of news reporting, what challenges as a woman, specifically as a Hispanic woman, did you feel like you faced entering into this uh, 
filled? And that will be, you know, our final question. And then we'll wrap up from there. <laughs> I appreciate it. No problem. Um, growing up in New Orleans as like the only Latina in your class for years and years and years, um, it became a normal in the sense of like, you be the only one for that aspect. But I also looked Italian to a lot of people. Mm, <laughs> so, I can see that. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So like, my cousins that are darker skinned and, um, and I straighten my hair, but like some of them are curly and they're like more clearly Latina. And so they'll tell you like they had a different experience than I did. And in some aspects, um, I still came across the, the stereotyping and the, um, you know, I, it's so funny you guys, because your my mother just taught me to to navigate it in a way that I didn't even know that some things were meant to be painful. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like she did a lot of like shielding probably and protection. Yeah. Or, or just like she would frame their comments for me. Mm. Right? Okay. And yeah, so preparation, like it was biased pre preparation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And by the time I started to get into news in the late 90s, we started, the, the, the rhetoric was changing of like, you know, where are they from? Where are you from? To, we need Spanish speakers quick. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That was just starting to happen. And mm. so um, I was very blessed with great bosses from day one when it came to that. Mm. I was very blessed to have um, a couple of mentors. You have to understand, like, I grew up in the newsroom where, like, Hoda Copy came from. And then Karen Swenson. It was all Channel 8. I mean, sorry, Channel 4 as an intern in high school. And that boss figured out the whole, like, of course you have to have someone in every group that is in New Orleans on TV. I mean, Phil Johnson was just, I mean, he's past since, but Michael Early, he's past these people were, you know, they were showing what we do now <laughs> mm -hmm. as if it's this, you know, great thing that we're all doing. It's like, they, they knew that back then. And that was one of the few places that like, you know, uh, Sally Ann Roberts, which is Robin Roberts, sister. She had already been on the air there for like 10 years before I even showed up mm -hmm. 15 years before I even showed up. So, you know, what we now call like, you know, diversity and inclusion, like that, all, I, that's how I grew up, right? Like when you are the diversity, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. like that's your world. Like that, that is your world. It's almost like now everyone's kind of like trying to make it normal. Well, welcome to my normal, hon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's been my face this entire time. Mm -hmm. um, but the, um, the growing into it in news it, it, to, to come into spaces where they're like labeling it as like the diversity hire, mm. it almost like does something strange. It puts you in the situation of like, you know, having to explain another level of things where it's just like, I grew up watching Telemundo and Univision because that's the language my parents spoke. It's the only language my parents spoke mm -hmm. and the broken mm. English. Right. Mm. And so now we're seeing it. So I've been very blessed to be a person that they've needed through the years. I will say that. Mm -hmm. I've been very blessed that I've been the person that they've needed. And I've always tried to um, make sure that we're incorporating um, all audiences and like, you know, your migration status and how this 
country sees you does not determine your value as a human. We have 14 different types of visas to enter this country. Not one of those determines who you are as a human. Absolutely. And so just bringing that to, you know, that's what I try to do. Like, yes, my parents were legal, but only because of a very lucky policy at the time. Mm. But once we're here, everybody deserves to be able to have you know, the, the same run at things and to be connected to people that are going to show them some, some love. So that's it. And Lucy, I guess like kind of as a farewell, can you tell us like, and our listeners where they can find you, how they can get in touch with sure. you, up with you and anybody who's listening, who has a dream, whether it's to break into broadcast journalism, mm-hmm. to host one day in New York city, like such as yourself um, or whatever the case may be. Yeah, yeah. A piece of advice just in terms of like, what was your anchor? What really grounded you to keep going, um, to kind of push through, to persevere, to stay resilient, to make it to where you are today? I will say this much. Um, find people like you guys. I mean, this is, this is your work. This is what you guys do too. I mean, you have to find someone when you're in college and you're starting to pick your track and you're starting to see, I think I want to do broadcast journalism that's when you email the local news anchor. That's when you email the local news reporter. And you start, it's so easy now on social. You start a relationship there. That way they know your name, they recognize you. And you start to say, um, hey, what's your intern track? Um, okay, I, I, maybe I don't qualify yet because I'm not a junior in, high, in college yet, but I'm a freshman in college right now. And I think I'm gonna be interested in two years. You literally have to start prepping yourself two years in advance for where you wanna be doesn't matter the job. doesn't matter the job. It's a two-year prep project. And so, and I would say just relationships, develop those relationships. And in the meantime, really sink into what your professors are teaching you, you know, like really sink into um, that critique that stung a little bit, investigate that sting and see, all right, was that, is that me or was that him? Is that me or was that her? You know, like, where is that thing coming from? And see if that's something that you really do have to um, refine in yourself and, and then just continue, continue showing your, you know, showing your work and people will elevate you. That will happen naturally. Mm-hmm. People will elevate you if you do those things. And do you like, are you on Twitter, on Instagram? Where can uh, listeners find you? Go to, I know you guys, you guys do this so well. So on <laughs> Instagram, I'm Lucy Bustamante News. On Twitter, I'm at L Bustamante NBC. And let's see, I have to, I've changed this through years. So I have to like remember. And then of course on Facebook, it's just Lucy Bustamante. And we love when you guys talk to us on all these social media accounts from four to 11 in the morning. We will respond. We will, you know, schedule meetups, um, especially like with the students. So by all means, and then of course our emails are standard, lucy.bustamante at nbcuni.com. So don't be shy. We're here for the public. So use us, please. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lucy. This has been a pleasure and an honor. We learned so much in just such a short period of time. And we would love to have you back um, to continue the conversation and tell us even more. You got it. Yes, absolutely. Yes, thank you. It's been a pleasure meeting you. (laughs) As always, we thank you so much for tuning in. 
This episode, as with every episode, is dedicated to the legendary Miss Oprah Winfrey. Hashtag Oprah come find us. Hashtag Oprah we love you. We'd also like to send a major shout out and thanks to our incredible producer extraordinaire, Dave Grisbowski.